Sports Central with Adrian Abraham on Money FM 89.3. It's Money FM 89.3 and a lovely Wednesday afternoon here where we are counting down the top 10 sporting moments of 2020. Last week, you know, I was joined by the content producer Ziaul Raushan and sports broadcaster Roshan Rai. And this week, I've got the sports broadcaster Shazad Hak on the phone and in the studio, joined by the content producer with the Straits Times, Ziaul Raushan. Gentlemen, great to have you on the show. Shazad, we will uh, start with you, of course, with the, um, you know, the impact that COVID-19 has had on Mm. the sporting world because you can relate very closely to this because I remember during the initial, you know, lockdown phases and the circuit breaker, times were incredibly difficult for a sports broadcaster like yourself. Absolutely, Adrian. Uh, Thanks for having me again. Uh, It's been a very, very difficult year, I think, for, I mean, of course, everyone. But um, if you're looking at at industries, uh, for for example, uh, aviation, uh, travel um, and sport, I think would be, the ones that that really come to mind Um, and people often tend to discount sport because if you're not involved in the industry you you quite often think of it as uh, something that is a bit of fun a bit of recreation but no it's a billion dollar industry you know multi multi billion dollar industry and a lot of people of course employed in it Um, and I'm uh, of course one of those so uh, it's been very very hard and the sports world has not returned to normal as we speak today there is already um, a, a lot, a, a big uh, discussion now on whether, for example, the Premier League will now be shut down with the rising number of infections. So it has been extremely, extremely difficult. And I actually think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, Raushad and I were just talking before we got on air about the two games this week already. One that's already been postponed, Manchester City, Everton. And we mm. heard news this morning that Possibly Fulham against Tottenham could also be called off. And Big Sam, of course, after he lost 5-0 to Leeds, has said the Premier League should take a break. Raushan, what's your uh, argument uh, on this situation? Do you think that sport, particularly Premier League football, should they stop? Uh, Look, it's a tough one. I think this year has highlighted more than ever the value we have on sport personally as well. I have taken for granted weekend football, weekend Formula 1 races. And when it was taken away, you really felt the pinch. When it came back, it was we were alive Mm. again. But right now, I can see why few managers are alluding to putting the season on hold. There are things more important than sport in the world. And obviously, COVID-19 rampaging through the world does put everything in perspective I don't see Sam Allardyce's argument because he's obviously coming from a place where his team just got whipped 5-0. But um, there are things more important than sport. I think we need to watch the situation very closely. As a sports fan, I don't want sport to stop. But as a human being, perhaps, perhaps if the situation escalates, then there has to be no choice but to put a hole on uh, football at least. Shazad, of course, since like Singapore has moved into phase two and three, things have gotten a little bit better for you. But what were some of the uh, biggest challenges that you faced, you know, while dealing with something like the circuit breaker, for example? Well, I mean, uh, the very obvious thing for me is I had uh, zero work um, because obviously there was not just in Singapore, but there was no work uh, at all around. You know, that was when things were really bad. In fact, um, it's actually worse now than it was during the circuit breaker period. Not, not worse than Singapore, of course, I mean globally. Um, having said that, you know, the, the sports world forced itself open um, midway through the year. Um, you know, there were lots of world events that have tried to, to resurrect themselves, including that we talked about the Premier League. But it, it was a very difficult time. And, 
Um, you know, uh, they are trying. Uh, I'll give you an example. Badminton. Badminton has been off for uh, the best part of the year. I think there was only one event that happened um, in the last 10 months. Um, and they are reopening again. Um, they're going to have the world finals uh, next uh, in, in, in January. I'm actually going to be working on that. So I'm actually going to have my first trip out of Singapore to go and work on sports events, you know. So it's almost like things should be normal, but I am a bit nervous. I'll be very honest with you about traveling. Um, there will be a bubble, but uh, I, 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 I do take on board that there are risks involved. And we are creating sort of an artificial atmosphere to allow these sports to continue to breathe life, to try and breathe life into some of these sports that are desperate. You know, we talk about football, but that's been going on more or less for the last six months. Many other sports, which don't have the resources of football, have been crippled, right? And they are desperately trying to to stay alive. And I can understand where they're coming from, but as Raushan has said, you know, as a human being, we also have to look at the, the costs that, uh, that might be incurred. Yeah, of course it is. Um, you know, uncertain times for the Premier League. And, you know, I'm not ready yet to give up football and, you know, football particularly on the weekends because, you know, it's something that I think we often took it for granted initially. And, uh, you know, staying with the Premier League, there's another uh, person uh, I want to talk about today. Uh, goal scorer, scored a late winner, Marcus Rashford, now United, uh, closing the gap in on Liverpool. But this year has kind of belonged to him for what he's done away from the pitch, Raushan. What do you make of Marcus Rashford's contributions away from the pitch? I think what he's done with his influence is fantastic. It's second to none. Sometimes sports stars take their influence for granted. They don't realise the impact they have on the people who watch them. We'll touch on Djokovic later today. But obviously with Marcus Rashford, he's used that to for the greater good. And I've heard a podcast on the United podcast where he said he was always going to do this. I think the follow-through is where a lot of players fail. He's followed through. He's made changes to millions of lives and I think that deserves more credit than the goals the 51 goals he scored for United yeah it is amazing what he's you know actually done and he was recognized at the BBC uh, you know sporting awards uh, this year for his contribution he was also recognized by FIFA so it just shows how much he's actually done um, you know away from the sport <laughs> Shazad what do you think of uh, you know Marcus Rashford's contributions away from the field because initially people thought that it was actually distracting his football. A lot of people have been saying that kind of rubbish. Hmm. And honestly, I've been watching this story um, unfold on social media and uh, as, as delighted as, I'm, as I am with what he has done and, and I echo completely what uh, Raushan has said, um, it sickens me. It really sickens me to see detractors. Um, and, and a lot of it is tribal. A lot of it is because he happens to play for a certain football club. Uh, people were claiming it was um, uh, a political. People were claiming um, it was attention-seeking. Um, people were saying, well, if, uh, if kids, uh, it's not the responsibility of the government to feed these kids. It's up to the parents or, or local authorities. I mean, these people don't know hardship or are just being selfish or, like I said, being tribal. I think what he did was absolutely commendable and you know, he also did it during the time of uh, a lot of racial awakening, right? Yes. And um, many of the children that he's talking about happen to be children uh, from minority backgrounds. So I think he highlighted in, in, his, in his own way the racial inequalities that exist, um, in, for example, in the UK. 
Uh, and again, there, there was undertones from people who didn't like what he did. So he has stood up for what he believes in, and I think um, it's fantastic that the establishment have um, have acknowledged that. You know, all these awards like BBC and all that. I don't think he cares. I don't, he doesn't. He's not out for that. What you know, that means really very little at the end of the day. Um, I think he's. I think even FIFA, if I'm not mistaken, recognised him as well. But at the end of the day, he has put food on the table for these children. I think that's what matters most. Yeah, he did say that. You know, growing up, he of course had a very uh, tough childhood and he wanted to give back um, to those less fortunate, something which you know he didn't really have. Of course, now he's gone on to buy his mama house and um, he's blessed with a lot more. But it just shows that, you know, while on the field, the all the attention might have belonged to Robert Lewandowski for the stellar year he's had. But away from it, I think Marcus Rashford deserves all the credit and recognition that he's getting. Exactly. I think when you're shot into superstardom the way Rashford was flung onto the scenes in the Europa League game and then went on to build a career and the name that he has, it's easy to forget where you came from. This boy, though, has got his head firmly on his shoulders and he's doing right, doing justice when he's got other teammates who are using their influence or not using their influence at all. So I think it's really, yeah. really commendable. And again, as I alluded to in the first topic, there are things bigger than sport. And this just highlights the impact that a footballer in this social media age that we live in can have on the wider public. You know, I, I, I cannot stand it when people say, you're a footballer, stick to just the football. You know, uh, or, or you're, a, you're, a, you're a singer, stick to just singing. You know what? These people have a position of, of influence. Exactly. And... If it's for a force of good, if it can positively impact people, then why not? Why the hell not? And, and, and you know, I don't agree with the stay in your lane. In that case, why should any of us, any of us have an opinion about anything apart from what we do? It's a ridiculous suggestion and all power to him. And I hope he continues rattling the government and, 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 and pushing for equality and pushing for, for food to be on the table. Exactly. And uh, moving swiftly on, I'm going to play a little clip which is going to you know, take us to our next uh, sporting event of 2020. Maradona just walked away from Hoddleton. Valdado, They're appealing for offside. The ball came back off the foot of Steve Hodge. And Maradona gives Argentina the lead. The England players protesting to the referee. The little man who started it by walking past Glenn Hoddle. That's where the ball came from, Hodge. The year was 1986. None other than Diego Maradona. Of course, he passed away uh, last month from a heart attack at the age of 60. Some thought he would have gone a lot sooner than that. Shazad, I know we talked about this. Uh, you know, last month on the show, actually, about what impact he had on world football and what impact he had on you growing up. Can you share a little bit more about that? <laughs> uh, you know, that that particular game, of course, uh, I, I spent my formative years in the UK and I supported England as a little boy. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of the two times I've burst into tears over football. Um, I mean, tears of sadness. And um, that was that was the first time um, I was absolutely gutted uh, what Maradona did at the time with the hand of God. And I, I honestly hated him. I hated him for a long, long time. Um, I watched uh, him go on and lift that World Cup in uh, 86. And being an England supporter, I couldn't believe it. But at the time, I wanted uh, Germany to, to beat Argentina in the mm-hmm. final. 
and then um, I had the uh, the honor of watching him live uh, in the 1990 World Cup final, actually in the Stadio Olimpico in, in Rome. Uh, and again, I wanted uh, Germany to win because, because only because of Maradona. And it was one. Of, it was the worst uh, live game of football I've ever seen. It was regarded generally as one of the worst games ever in the World Cup final. And uh, this time they didn't win. So I felt, you know, a little bit vindicated. I think a lot of people who hated Maradona felt a little bit vindicated. But look, as time went on, uh, I realized I grew up, I matured, and I realized what a superb footballer he is. And whatever your persuasion, whoever your allegiances are with, you cannot deny the talent of this man and what he brought, uh, the joy he brought to millions and millions of people. And actually... When you think back to the hand of God now, in today's context, it's almost laughable, isn't it? That of course. he was vilified for something like that, because that kind of stuff happens all the time, all the time. Worse stuff than that happens on the pitch all the time. I think it's, you know, I just have to say maybe even Luis Suarez, I just have to mention his name. He's done an infamous handball at the World Cup. Uh, he's bitten people at World Cups. <laughs> far, far worse things have happened. And of course, we didn't have VAR. So can you blame him? Could you blame the officials? I mean, what would you do in a World Cup scenario to allow your country to progress through to the next round? I mean, I think that has been put to bed a long time ago. But what he has brought to all of us, I think, will live on in the memory. Exactly. It's that will, that will to win that sets him apart from mm. all his peers, I believe. And really, it's just his influence that has inspired a whole generation. I mean, I'm much younger than Shazad, just got to get that in. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here and thinking about all the times I never got the privilege to watch Maradona live in person, in flesh. But I did get to meet him once in a charity football tournament in France. Mm. And even then, in that small, small space that he was in, he, he captured everyone's attention and just blew their minds with... He scored a penalty on a street soccer court and the cheers were equivalent to some I've seen in football stadiums. So can you imagine <laughs> the, the influence of this man? And I think with the outpour in the social media age that we live in, the outpour of uh, grief when he did pass yeah. tells you how much he inspired a whole generation of footballers the world over. He certainly did. And, you know, I'm just looking at the clock now and I feel that, you know, we still have two more sporting moments to go, but we lead nicely into the next one. Now, gentlemen, you can recall this was probably one of the most notorious events the year has seen. Game, he was undefeated. Now he's out. The number one tennis player in the world ousted from the U.S. Open. Novak Djokovic hit a ball out of anger from the court, frustrated after losing a point to Spain's Pablo Carreño Busta, accidentally striking a lineswoman in the neck. You can see the star player immediately running over as she collapsed to the ground to see if she was okay. Medics running to the court to attend to her. Wait, 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 guys, we've got a problem here. Within minutes, judges determined she could not return to the match and neither can Djokovic, the top-seeded player thrown out of the tournament. He shook Busta's hand and left quickly without speaking. To anyone. It was actually crazy, wasn't it, Raushan? When you hear this on the on the news the next day, Djokovic, of course, this incident almost happened a few years before and he was warned about it, but no one actually thought he'd be disqualified from the US Open. Look, I remember waking up to the news, obviously, with the US Open playing played in a different time zone. I woke up to the news that Djokovic had been disqualified. I don't know. I think, yes, the rule book is the rule book, but obviously in preparation for today, I watched the clip a couple of times and it's a complete accident I, I I understand the rule book being the rule book and maybe obviously you can't do that by the book but 
common sense needs to prevail but sometimes. The aim, the aim. He hits her. I mean, he's world number one. His aim is going to be spot on. What are you talking about? I, I, I don't know. I mean, there is a siege for mentality accident, for an accident. It is, you know, it, it's quite commendable. Look, I think I've, I've I've read enough to think Djokovic is not the most popular guy on tour. So maybe there's Ooh. something more to this. I don't know. I'm not saying what he did was right, but what I'm saying is what he did was a accident, and to be vilified for that. I mean, here we are in the end of 2020 talking about this being one of the standout moments that's unfair to a great tennis player sticking with tennis you know we can uh, talk about uh, the other man who's had a huge impact this year the king of clay Rafa Nadal he equaled Roger Federer for most Grand Slams he now has 20 uh, the greatest of all time this debate will of course go on and we discussed this last week on the show between Ronaldo and Messi now we have Nadal and Federer Shazad um, what did you make of Nadal's performance um, at the Roland Garros final against Novak Djokovic? Well, I thought it was quite um, just and appropriate that it was against uh, Djokovic <laughs> after what we just spoke about. Uh, no, um, look, um, on, a, on a semi-serious note, uh, how unlucky was Djokovic to, to hit that, that uh, lines person? And uh, yeah, I do agree that that was very harsh. But it was, I was, you know, as a left-hander myself, I was delighted for... Uh, Djokovic, uh, sorry, for Nadal. And by the way, the way, the manner of the victory as well, uh, I don't think I've ever seen Djokovic that outplayed uh, in any in any Grand Slam final, any tennis match, to be honest with you, in a long, long time. And I just don't know whether, um, I, I don't know whether there's there's some ill effects for, for Djokovic. I'm not sure, I'm not sure where he is as a person right now, where, to how things are going for him, but I think Nadal was single-minded, as he's been throughout his career, especially the French Open. And uh, I think that moniker of King of Clay will forever live on with him. And of course, you know, because this year the French Open was played after the US Open and we didn't have Wimbledon. And now we've got news that Roger Federer won't be competing at next year's Australian Open, which opens the door for Nadal to actually, you know, make number 21 his own Look, we talk about so much uncertainty going into the new year with sport, but there's a lot to look forward to, actually. Nadal, Roger, is he going to overtake Roger Federer himself? Then we've got Messi, Ronaldo. I think probably next year will be the last year they're going to be at the top of their game. Then we've got Lewis Hamilton, who's gunning to beat Schumacher. Mm. There's a lot to look forward to, and I just have to cheekily add, we are two points off the top. That's Manchester United. So there's <laughs> yeah. plenty, plenty to look forward maybe to in 2021. 20, yeah, and maybe in May next year we'll be having this discussion. as. You know, United, uh, you know, Lee, it's the first time since Fergie retired. We might United need to is... get Roshan for that, not Shez, because I think the top two is not going to be Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> Stop the count, right, guys? Stop the count. Well, let's see if the game happens uh, tonight between Tottenham and Fulham, because if it doesn't go ahead, then, of course, the Premier League will have to sit down and take a long, hard look at themselves and actually decide what's best for the rest of the competition. I think Big Sam, despite losing 5-0, he's got a very good point that it should, uh, you know, temporarily be uh, halted. Well, gentlemen, I think that's all the time we have today on the show. Thank you so much for joining me and uh, discussing the remaining sporting moments of 2020. And I'll speak to you soon. Happy New Year, Adrian. Thank you. Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you.